For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me and according to the working of His power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace is given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which in the ages have been hidden in God who created all things, so that manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Therefore, I ask you, do not lose heart in my tribulation on your behalf, for they are your glory. Father, I ask that you teach. I pray that your spirit in each of your people will show us what we are, what a privilege we have, what power we have, and what our position is first and foremost in the heavenlies. But Father, also our position here in a sin-soaked world. And Father, such a time as this, you have placed each of us for the glory of the risen King. In Christ's name, amen. We are looking at a section here, and, and beginning in verse 14 to the end of the chapter, Paul prays that we get it. Okay, We've seen him do this in chapter 1. He throws out some of this massive theology on God's plan before creation. And what this plan was. But he says this is so overwhelming. He understood this. That I pray that they get it. Uh, one of the things that I do. And I've shared with you guys before. A lot of times right after the worship service. You'll see me just kind of go off to the back. And get my microphone off and all the rest of it. But what I do is when I go back there. I pray that you get it. Okay. See I have the advantage. Uh, I have been wrestling with this for 40, 50 hours this week. And then I have to just kind of, boof, there I hope they get it. <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> it, it wore me out all week. Alright? So, that is what it's all about. We have looked at this, that Paul was a prisoner of the mystery. When he wrote this letter, he was in jail for preaching this mystery. That Jew and Gentile are one. Okay? Male and female. They're all, we're all one. Uh, the songs that we sang this morning, we're all one. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Alright, praise the Lord. Alright, and it's, and it's, you know, we, we hear it sometimes, and you know, we sang the verse that all unity would be restored. 
And you have to look around and think, yeah, that's kind of hard sometimes to look at the quote-unquote church and say it's unified. I remember young and my faith that I would hear on a regular basis that doctrine divides. And as I've grown in my walk with my king, I realize, no, doctrine unifies. Okay, The problem is we're not willing to sit down and reason together. You know, I, uh, many of you, some of you know that I was not raised in the church. I had, uh, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't do it the easy way. I made it as difficult as I could. But I have an advantage. When I want to know what the church is supposed to do, I go to the book. I don't worry about denominations. I don't worry about any of these methods or any of that other stuff. What does God say? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's why I took great joy when I was in Azerbaijan to spend that evening with that group uh, on the book of First Thessalonians because that is church growth. That is the, the essence of what the church is, how to excel still more. All right? So Paul had been preaching this. He had gone to Jerusalem and preached it. They had him arrested, and he is awaiting trial in Rome. Um, and people say, well, you know, he wasn't really in prison. He was in house for arrest. He was just chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Oh, that's better. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So, no, you see, it's just, no, man, you're incarcerated. You're not free to go to wherever you want to go. And if you remember that verse right there, verse 13, do not lose heart in my tribulation. It is for your glory. Okay. So he's in prison for preaching the mystery. We looked at the plan of the mystery in 5 and 6. It had been hidden. It had been hidden in other generations. It wasn't until the birth of the church at Pentecost that it started becoming evident. And even then it struggled. I mean, Peter struggled with eating, quote unquote, unclean food. And how in the world do I disciple or reach out or evangelize Gentiles, let alone Samaritans? Uh, how, how do I do this? And God confronted him and took him to Joppa, which is Samaritan country. And you, 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 you see these kinds of things and they struggle. But you even see in the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul confronted Peter because when there wasn't any Jews around, he was really friendly with the Gentiles. Then when the Jews came around, he wouldn't be friendly with them. And the Apostle Paul confronted Peter. Okay? So they still struggle with it. I've had people come here and love what I'm doing here, but they would smile at me and say, but I'm Jewish. And I was like, uh, well, you know, so? And they said, well, I need to find a Messianic congregation. And I remember the one guy in particular says, you're telling me I'm not a Messianic congregation here? Well, we need a completed Jews. Well, I'm a completed Gentile. So, and, and they moved on because whatever. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm not going to hog tie you and say, no, you got to stay. But it, it just, we inevitably put up barriers that the Lord tore down. I'll give you an illustration. Why do we have a youth ministry? Anybody want to explain to me what Bible verse you get that out of? We have young singles ministries. We have 
Young married ministries. Now, I won't say nothing about the old people's ministries. Why do we do that? Is it a ministry? Is it a ministry? But see, we put up these little bitty barriers. Well, you know, you've got to have something for the youth. I do. I've got the same thing for the youth that I've got for the old people. The Bible. Okay? But we do this. We do this to ourselves. And, and, I, and I, I, I don't understand that. Um, we have a freedom that we are one in the person of Jesus Christ. Period. There's no male, no female. There's no Jew or Gentile. Or my favorite is there's no Greek or barbarian. I like that one. A Greek is a Gentile who speaks Greek. A barbarian is a Gentile that doesn't speak Greek. I be a barbarian. And most of you say, yeah, we know. <laughs> okay, so... But, but you see, what these are the kinds of things that I don't understand. And again, not being raised in the church, I've not been exposed to it. Okay, now, as a pastor for 24 years, I've been exposed to it. You know, I, I you know, surprise! Well, I didn't know that that was a problem. Okay, so, but people like to point out problems. But that is what this mystery is. There is oneness. There's not multiple bodies of Christ. There is one body of Christ. I have been in Russia and I've preached. I've preached to Jewish Christians in Israel. I have preached to Aziri and Russian blended congregations in Azerbaijan and in the mountain country up by Armenia. I've preached in Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, actually, Kavalari. Uh, and I was detained by Russians because Russia had grown overnight and I didn't know. So, and there's one thing that I always notice. You throw out the book and all the barriers are gone. I preach to mothers and widows and fathers and sons and uncles and cousins, pastors and deacons and elders. And it's all the same. And what I've learned is, is America has managed to put up all the barriers again. And the people in the, the former Soviet countries want it. They want it all. Last week we started in on the preaching of this ministry. We see that the Apostle Paul in verses 7 through 9. I was made a minister. I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace. He understood that what he was doing wasn't of him, wasn't his talent, wasn't his abilities, wasn't his education. It was God's grace. It was given to me according to the working of his power, his power. I can tell the difference when a man is working in his power and I can tell a man is working in the power of a holy God. They both may both be giving you the truth and be right on down the line. But there's one, there's a difference between a man who's doing it in the power of God because he's touching right to your soul and you know it. But he said that he understood it's by his power. And then in verse 8, he said, you know what? I am the least of all the saints. See, a good servant of God, a good preacher will be the most humble person in the room. Okay, why? Because the day that I can come up here behind this thing and my palms ain't sweaty, that's my last message. Because that means I think I can do it. 
And I know that I am not adequate on a good day. On a good day. I remember when I was in uh, Georgia last fall. I had pneumonia. And it was, oh, it was, <laughs> it was miserable. They're giving me these Russian cough drops that, oh, no wonder you people frown all the time. Uh, and then I was taking some kind of antibiotics and stuff like that. And it just wasn't doing anything. It wasn't doing anything. They, uh, the top three exports of Georgia is wine. The guy I stayed with was the head of the Bas- Baptist Convention for Georgia. He had in his basement um, almost 550 gallons of red wine in these big tubs. And his house, I've shown some people some of the pictures. His house is covered in vines, grapes. I mean, you're just sitting there, wow. So this Russian doctor who was in my class, a wonderful man, he he told uh, Gia, as the guy I was staying with, he said, now take uh, a big mug of wine and boil it so that there's no alcohol in it and then give that to him and he should... uh, that should help him at least sleep and clear up his cough. I tell you what, you have not lived until you've drank hot wine. I'm just telling you. You just put that on your basket list because you just sit there and go, well, I traveled all the way around the world to do this. But anyway, and you know what? It did help some, but most of the night I would wake up and cough most of the night. And so the whole trip, the whole time that I was in Georgia, I was exhausted. But you know what I found fascinating? I was teaching eight hours a day in a class. Okay, uh, Monday through Saturday, eight hours a day. I was teaching the book of Romans. And you know that during the class, I never coughed once. Answering questions and teaching, going through all my notes and all the rest of it. As soon as we took a break, <coughs> and then we go back to teaching again. And all I could think was, oh, God is good, isn't he? So I tried to make a deal with him. I'll do this again if you can keep me from coughing Longer. <laughs> so, and he did after I got back to the United States. But anyway, so when we understand that the preaching of this ministry has got to be done by the power of God, but we also have to understand that it is through humility that you have access to that power. I've been sharing with you in this book since we started it that one of the things that Christendom has jettisoned is the understanding of their position in Christ. Who you are in Christ. Now, Christians know the do's and don'ts. Okay? But what I've learned is, if I go and look at my position, what I possess because I am His child, the do's and don'ts happen. I don't even have to worry about it. I don't even have to struggle with it. It's kind of cool. Because when I start struggling with the do's and don'ts, I know that I have jettisoned my position. My position. So I, I started last week and we moved into verse 8. He says, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace given to me to preach to the Gentiles. That was Paul's ministry, to preach to the Gentiles. And then he uses the unfathomable riches of Christ. And I shared with you, Paul understood that his ministry in preaching and in teaching was vertical and horizontal. The vertical was, let me tell you of the unfathomable riches of Christ. Some of your translations may say, 
unsearchable riches of Christ. Some of yours may say something else, but I can tell you what the word means. Inexhaustible. You can't waste it. There's no way to end it. Unfathomable means there is no end to it. There's no bottom. Those are the riches of Christ. I gave you some. His grace is rich. His goodness and patience are rich. His wisdom and knowledge are rich. His mercy is rich. His person is rich. His blessings are rich. His assurances are rich. His word is rich. His love is rich. Our suffering for Him is rich. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it is our responsibility as children of God to make disciples, to make learners. Part of the learning process is that me, to make a disciple, I need to know what the endless riches of Christ are so I can go around and tell everybody about the endless riches of Christ. And it should be enthusiastic. And yet I look at some Christians and like, you don't look rich. Right? I just, I don't know, man. You look like, I don't know. I, I don't understand that. If people say, I know who Christ is, then how can I not be overwhelmed with joy at His riches that are mine? In Him. See, it's the basis of our position. It is what is ours. Do you understand that it's not? That's what the pastors are. That's what the elders are. No, if you're born again, those are all yours. That's how it's come. We are all one. What has been given to us? And I went through this last week. That is the vertical relationship between. An individual Christians or a collective body, the church, to God. Okay? And this is what part of preaching is. Part of teaching is. Let me tell you about what you have in Christ. Because see, the more I get a hold of that, the less the things of this world distract me. But see, when you spend a lot of time distracted by the world, you know what you're telling me? Either you don't believe it, or you don't know it about the riches that you have in possession of Jesus Christ. I want to get to the horizontal one. The second part of Paul's ministry of preaching is to make all men see what the fellowship of this mystery is. Now, uh, depending on your translation, and I'll deal with it here in a minute, you see it in verse 9, and to bring to light what this... This is New American Standard. What is the administration of the ministry for which ages has been hidden in God, whom created all things? Okay. Some translations will call it the stewardship. Some translations will call it the dispensation. Some translations will call it the fellowship. And I'll deal with that in a moment. Moment. We need to understand that this mystery, what we have right now, what we possess right now, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. He hid it. He did not make it known. Okay? It's like, if you do a study on Daniel, you'll get into the 70 weeks of Daniel, and you'll see the 69th and the 70th week of Daniel. And you say, it's the 69th week of Daniel. You see that, and he says, and he will be cut off. 
Okay, then you have the 70th week of Daniel. But see, what you don't understand is that you're in that gap between 69 and 70. The 70th week of Daniel is a seven years time span. You know what that is? The seven years of tribulation. Okay, but between 69 and 70, there's a gap. And it's not in there. You don't read it. It's like, and then between the 69th and 70th week, there'll be a gap. But there is. You know what it is? The church. The church. Okay? Now you got your eschatology is all done, right? No problem. And everybody said it was hard. This was known and it was done and it was planned and it was hidden by God who created all things by Christ Jesus. God is the creator, has hidden this mystery, this oneness. Because he had chosen Israel because he wanted to. And he made them, the literal Hebrew word is defined peculiar. To the rest of the world, the Jewish nation, and even to this day, is peculiar. But what is this mystery of the church that we are all one? That has been hidden from the beginning of the ages that is now revealed. What does he want us to understand about the church? You know, I could take a hundred Christians and ask all 100 of them, what is the church? And I'd probably get 100 different answers. Okay. But I find fascinating here and to bring to light. You know what that means? I want everybody to see the fellowship of this mystery. Okay, now the New American Standard calls it administration. Okay, the word fellowship that you have in your Bible that you see normally translated fellowship is koinonia. Okay, and it's 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 fellowship. It's 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 like the embracing of family uh, and, and a unity thing. That's not this word. It's okonia. Okay, and it literally means a dispensation or a stewardship. Okay, so I want everybody to see this dispensation. I want everybody to see this stewardship, which has been hidden in God. Okay, see, I'm not only preaching to you the vertical blessings of being a child in God. The unfathomable riches of Christ. But I want to share, I want to teach you all about the stewardship of this mystery. Alright? That is the responsibility of every blood-bought, born-again Christian. It is your responsibility to speak of the unfathomable riches. And now what is your responsibility in the body of Christ? you know what? I believe that the church is neglectful on both points. I truly believe that. I remember one of my first trips to Russia. I was in Orel. It was March. And them poor people. You had the sidewalks had been shoveled all winter long. And it was like walking in trenches 
of snow. I mean, you just kind of do one of these things and you come to an intersection, you peek your head out this way. All right, I'm going to run across this ditch. <laughs> and, uh, and it was miserable. I mean, it was wet. Uh, it would have this snow rain mix thing that just, just ache you to your bones. It was cold. You know, it was probably in the twenties. Um, and the highs during the day, whenever it was day, because uh, it's so far north that the sun comes up about 9.30 in the morning and goes down about 3.30 in the afternoon. So, And it never gets high. It kind of just does one of these things. You're like, it's right over there. But anyway, it was it was tough. And they, I remember I had gotten there on a Saturday and I got to, was dealing with some people and talking and all the rest of them. And they said, we want you to preach tomorrow morning for the worship service. I said, all right. So... I get up, and it's like I said, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning. They wanted me to go in and teach a, to a women's Bible study. So I was going to go over and do that. And I look outside. It's a fairly large church. It's got a parking lot and everything. And I got ready to come across at 9 o'clock in the morning, about 9 o'clock in the morning. It was, it was just getting light. And I look outside. They had a car in a parking lot. Uh, Valeri's was the only car. He's the senior pastor of the church. And they had a car in there. And I was like, well, okay. So I go cruising over to the church, and I walk in. The fellowship hall is packed. There's probably 500 people down there. And I'm sitting there going, they all get in Valeri's car? And it dawned on me, probably not. It's just one of them little Volkswagen things. They all walked. They all walked to church in the cold, in the snow, in the water, in the damp. And I asked... Micah, my interpreter there, Micah. I said, uh, they do this? And he says, what's the other option? I said, what do you mean? He says, I can either be with the world, I can be with the people of God. I was like, wow. That was stunning to me. Because I think we ended up with about two cars. And at the worship service, there was probably close to 900 people there. Okay, but what blew my mind more was on Wednesday morning. Uh, my my body clock was all screwed up, and so I got up and I looked down, and the, all the fellowship hall lights are on, and I look and there's people down there. I what the heck? So I throw me some drawers on and a jacket, and I take off and I cruise down there. Mike is down there, and and it's all middle school to high schoolers. Okay, it's. 5.30 in the morning on a school night, morning or whatever. And I said, Michael, what? <laughs> what's going on? He says, well, the junior high kids are teaching the middle schoolers the book of Galatians. And then when they get done in an hour, the high schoolers will pick up the junior high kids and they will teach them more of the book of Galatians. I said, well, they don't have school. He said, no, we do this every Wednesday before school. See, that's people who understand what the body of Christ is. Paul wants us to understand. I want you to understand what the stewardship of this ministry, the administration of this ministry. We understand on a horizontal level that the church is required to be 
What are we? See, a lot of people look at the book of Ephesians and they know the last three chapters. And they've got to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. And women have got to submit. Children have got to honor their parents. And we know all of that. And I see people just irritable trying to do it. But if you back up and see what you possess, then that's easy. Because I have unexhaustible riches of Christ at my command. This is what ministry is, brothers and sisters. So we have these two things. We teach about the relationship to God and we teach about the ministry to each other and our existence in this world. See, those two things make up preaching. Listen, I've been preaching here for 24 plus years. You go back through my messages, and I guarantee you every message I've got, one or two of those things are always in every message. I either get them both sometimes, or I get one sometimes. Mikhail's listened to me online, and he made the comment that he has not heard men who exalt Christ the way I do. He says, your emphasis is in Christ. It's not on man. I said, yeah, that's why I get into trouble all the time. Because I take, bring God to man. And man is uncomfortable with that sometimes. These are the two categories. We must think and we must remember with confidence what is our relationship to God. The unsearchable the unexhaustible riches that we have in Christ. Do you realize what He has done? Yes. Next week, we will partake of the Lord's table. Do you realize the joy that should be in that? I mean, we should all be doing little happy dances. Be thrown out of our socks. Why? It is finished. Okay? What He has done for us, but the second part of it is, how do I maintain the flow of those riches? Well, one of them is, out of the writer of Hebrews, do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of them. Right? Why? I got a whole room full of supernaturally empowered people to strengthen me. Why would I neglect that? How, how we serve. Because see, when you know how your riches are, you know how to serve and therefore you know how to live. Each of us is giving the mysteries of the church. If you're a believer today in the Lord Jesus Christ, you possess the keys to the mystery of the church. 
And you're actually part of that mystery unfolding before mankind. Very nice. We are to preach the church and the unsearchable, unexhaustible, unfathomable, bottomless riches of Jesus Christ. We are to preach and teach and live our position in Christ, who He is, all that He has given. And all that He is to us, but we also, how you can forfeit it, Through your sin. I shared this last week. You don't lose the riches. God's bank. You don't lose that. You just lose the withdrawal slip. It's all right there. I just can't get my hands on it. That's what your sin does. And so it it would behoove you. I like that word. Behoove. I heard that a lot when I was down south. I behoove you. And I was like, oh, does it hurt? But anyway, just kidding. It would behoove us to take stock of us so that I can let the riches of heaven, the blessing and the spiritual blessings of the heavenlies flow through me and overwhelm people. Just roll over them. I hear the politicals. We're going to have a blue wave. We're going to have a red wave. I want a holy wave. We teach what is the function of the church. And we teach what you and I do in the church. What is our function in the body of Christ? We teach what is the church's history. We teach, what is the church's future? We teach how we are to live in the church. We teach that every child of God has a manifestation of spiritual gifts that was appointed by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Spirit of the living God. So that your gift will strengthen other believers and my gift will strengthen other believers. We teach what are the ministries. What is it to serve in the body of Christ? Listen, brothers and sisters, that right there is the preaching of the ministry. The mystery. That mystery that has been hidden in the past. It was hidden in God. It's sort of like he was standing there and had it behind him. Well, I'm going to surprise him with this one. And then he just laid it out. Preaching is these two things. The unfathomable riches of Christ and the unfathomable riches of the church. So that we may understand what the church is. You know, I gave you, started in this book some time ago. And I told you the simplicity of the church is this. It is, Paul told it, Timothy and First Timothy, it is the pillar and foundation of truth. Anything outside of that is a lie. So why would I forsake? Listen, I have been in this community for 30, 35 years. 35 years. This is the only church I've ever been a part of, ever. Okay? The church that I got baptized in burned down. I don't know what that means. Okay, but anyway, this is, this is it. Okay? 
And what I've learned in the years as, as, the, as the pastor, as a brother in Christ, is that there are too many in the body of Christ right now who don't know their position in Jesus Christ. And I know that if you don't know your position in Christ, then you don't know the practice. Okay? That's terrible. I think that if you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, how can you shut up? I have conversations with lost people, and they'll tell me some kind of spiritual mumbo-jumbo, and, and I'll just look right them in the eye and say, that ain't true. And I'll say, what? Yeah, but that ain't true. Because how many of you ever heard this? God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, it was by the great prophet. What was his name? Franklin. Ben. Okay? No, that ain't true. God helped you because you're helpless. Okay? See what I'm trying to get at? I know people who can tell everybody, don't do this, do this, don't do that, don't do this, do this, don't do that, and all this other stuff, and they look like they're mad about it. I tell them, you have the riches of God's grace, the riches of Jesus' life, the power of the Holy Spirit to give you access to everything that God possesses. Get after it. It's amazing to me. We were teaching this morning, Romans 8. You've been freed from sin and death. And everybody talks about death. Well, you know, I'm absent from the body, present with the Lord and all this. What about the sin one? You have been freed from sin. Do you know that? Which one? All of them. Access the power source. Because you know what? I know before your salvation, you didn't have no way to beat your sin. Now that I have Christ, sin has no authority over me. You see what I'm trying to get at? That's the body of Christ. That is the church. We should be getting each other together and saying, Yahoo! But do it with a Hebrew accent. Yahoo! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. I have visitors are looking at me. This guy's an idiot. Okay? <laughs> A southern speaking Hebrew accent. What is that? Please, brothers and sisters, go from here and understand. We've all been called to share Christ. And if you have to, use words. People should be able to see something in us. And I don't care whether you're in a valley. I don't care if you're suffering. I don't care if you're in pain. I don't care if you've got some kind of fatal diagnosis. You've got a fatal diagnosis. I hate to tell you that. But anyway, um, I don't care if you've got any of those going on. But we should have a sparkle about us that people should say, wow, man, huh? what's up with them? I remember an old song I used to uh, listen to a long time before Christ. It was called, You May See Me Tonight with an Illegal Smile. And what it was, everybody thought the guy was on drugs, but he wasn't. He was always talking about there are some people that will come into your life and you just check out your brain to a little happy place and you got to smile on your face because then people bore you. Okay? And I thought, I've thought about that. Everybody's going to question. He's smiling. What do you suppose? He's in a happy place. Anyway, I share that because as Christians, we should have this smile on all the time. I told you I was the, the first May Day back in Moscow. They had outlawed it for a long time after uh, 
perestroika or whatever, glasnos or whatever. And they quit doing it. So anyway, they decided to do it again. And they basically shut down the city. Okay, 35 million people, no work today. And all of the World War II survivors are all walking around in their uniforms if they can fit in them. And even the widows of the soldiers were all around. And they all got these big old bundles of flowers, people giving them flowers. And it was all the rest of them. But I noticed something about the Russian people. They all look mad. They all got this frown on their face. And, you know, and I asked a guy about it one time. He says, well, people who smile, we think they're up to something. And you're like, yeah, probably right. But anyway. But then I noticed something. There were, I was running into people who were smiling. And I would look at them when they were smiling. And I'd go, and I'd go like this. And they'd come over and I'd say, Christoph? Da, da, Christoph? Yeah, that's Christian. And I was like, the people smiling are Christian. The other people are just mad. Okay? That's the way we should be. We should be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. But we should look like we've got hope. <laughs> because I've looked at some of you and you're like, oh man. You know, because I've got a guy that comes every morning. He's Catholic. He makes Murphy look like an optimist. I can honestly say that. Uh, part of it is self-inflicted. but is a, And so he keeps coming to me. And he says that there's something about me that is different than his priest. And I said, well, yeah, I know what it is. He said, what is it? I said, I'm saved. And he said, well, how can that be? And I was like, listen. And so I'm slowly giving him over and over and over and over the gospel. I explained to him the difference between me and the Catholics. They believe the church is the authority. I believe that the Bible is the authority. Because we've been meeting together every Sunday for, what, three years? I don't Something like that. And I mean, there's times, I'll be honest with you, I see him pull up and it's like, oh, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> Futility of error. Uh, but, but see, it's just stuff like that, that, you know, but I keep sharing with it. And I thought, you know what? You're right, because he looks at the church as a charity pot. You know, I'm on bad times. You should give me a, I don't know, a sandwich or, or I don't know, just give me something. I need a new transmission or I need a gallon of gas or what? It's, that's what the church is. You just give me something. And, you know, he came to me the first time, and I said, we ain't got nothing. He said, we, I said, we ain't that big. I mean, we, we ain't got nothing. We still got to keep the lights on. And so he finally, he, every once in a while he'll ask me, and I'll say, no, I still, we still ain't got nothing. Do you see mega on that church out there? And so, anyway, but he, he knows every pastor between El Paso and Arapahoe County. So, and, and he's, he's non-denominational. But anyway. He made the comment to me one time. He says, I've seen you go through some tough stuff. And he says, you always got a smile on your face. You always got something silly to say. And it's like nothing phases you. I said, no, Jerry, it phases me. But my hope ain't here. Okay? Every one of us should be that way. That people will see in us something that the world desperately wants. And then over time, you guys know that some of the bikers are coming. You know, they, uh, you know, they, they say all the deep theological stuff. Well, you just make me laugh. Yeah, that's, that's it, buddy. Okay. And, and the one guy is, is part of a motorcycle gang and he's the greatest evangelist I've ever seen for a person who ain't saved. And he tells everybody, come, come to church, man. You need to come listen to this guy. He just cuts it right straight. And he's kind of funny to watch. But anyway, it's, it's sad, too. 
But what I've learned is that I've known these people 10 or 15 years. Because Bill made a comment to me. He says, you know what? I've been around you a long time. I've seen you in a whole bunch of different situations. He says, I have never heard you say one profane word. He said, now there are a couple of times I looked at you. I thought you should. But he says, you never have. And I said, well, God guards my mouth sometimes. I have a secretary who's told me that, Terry, everything that goes between your ears does not need to come out your mouth. And so I I don't know where that's at in the Bible, but it has kept me out of jail. I want us to think about this, okay? Understand, you, don't listen to me. You go get a handle on your position in Christ. And then as my Scottish, my Welsh friend, I can't say, keeps sorry. My Welsh friend would say, and then you'll flesh it out. You know what that means? Christ will be seen. In the unity of the body and the oneness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, come before you. Thank you. For the riches that you have poured upon your people. And Father I pray. I pray for everyone who has heard today. That Lord we will understand. What is in our possession. But Father we would also understand. The humility of this privilege. Father we would allow you. And you alone. To overtake us. And use us. To your glory and to your praise. Thank you, Father, for bringing us here today. And, Father, I do thank you for the rain. Uh, We were in desperate need. Uh, And, uh, Father, uh, my wife can't really water her garden, and it looks like you've taken that up for her. Thank you. Father, I just pray each and every one of us understand who we are in Christ, what we possess in Christ. And, Father, we will be overwhelmed with the privilege to bounce around this place and share it with whoever you bring into our souls. In Christ's name. Amen.